Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Uh, just to give you a synopsis on the uh, the series and what's been going on, uh, we've been doing a series called "What's what, what Happened," and it's just some of our leaders just getting to know them, their testimony, what they've been through, stuff like that. And for right now, we got two wonderful of our wonderful people, our leaders are going to be giving their testimony, giving a word. And Brady asked me to say something, like just like kind of give my own perspective on things. And I've been knowing like a lot of these leaders for a while. And like I didn't know half of the stuff that they've been through. Just because like it builds community like your testimony. And I didn't know half of the stuff these people got. And I was like, wow. You're about to make me cry. Like it was pretty bad. I was like, man, I I didn't know that about you. I didn't I didn't know you dealt with this. I didn't know like it was like tearjerker stuff because it kind of convicted me in some areas, and then also like I related to that person more and was able to kind of communicate in some way or fashion because I was able to relate to them. So that that was me, and I was talking to Brady about it, Pastor Brady, and he was like, yeah, and he's like, that's that. He's so over the top about community and like wanting everyone to be like a like a bond. Like his first message series was like on community and like building us up. And I thought it was amazing. Like, and we're just starting to get to the point in our leadership. Like we're we're kind of getting closer and understanding each other more. And that's what I want fusion to be is like kind of a close knit bond and able to share testimonies, whatever whatever y'all want, but like right now, I really like it, so without further ado, who's first? On the chopping block, Miss Becca Stute. Give her a hand, guys. Oh, she got a mic, okay. Hi, guys, how are y'all doing? I'm extremely nervous. I've never done this before. What? I have pants on. <laughs> They're really nice shirts. Um, I'm Becca, for all of y'all who may not know who I am. Um, I grew up in church. I was saved when I was five. And I have, like, my testimony is, like, can go all day. Because, like, I've been in church all my life. So there's so many different times that God came into my life and drastically changed me. Um, But... For lack of time, and so that we're not here for three days, um, I'm just going to share what most recently happened in my life. Um, so I'm going to start off in my sophomore year. Um, I was in school, and high school, and um, I took my ACT, and I made a really bad score. And it was my second time taking it, and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I need tops to get to college, to go to college. So I prayed to God, and I was like, God, if you want me to go to college, I'll make a 20 on my ACT, and that means that you want me to go to college. If I don't, then that means you don't want me to go to college. So sure enough, I took my ACT um, like six months later, and I made a 20 exactly on it. So I took it a few more times, and I didn't make any higher, any lower. So I get um, to graduating, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I know I need to go to college, but I didn't feel like it was time for me to go to college. So I waited, and I took a year off. 
And um, taking that year off, I took I did an internship with um, Pastor Elijah. And for a while, I thought that was a waste of my time. But recently, I realized that I got a lot of good things out of it, just building my, my relationship with God, having to pray every day and getting there. And um, also, I got my calling in that time, just a little small piece of it to where I knew what God wanted me to do, just a small little thing that I could hold on to. So fast forward to going to college. So I had taken a year off, and because I'd taken a year off, all my friends were already in school, so they knew everything. So I was going to orientation by myself. Um, And before I even got into UL, I was decided I was going to SLCC, and um, I later on decided that I wanted to go to UL. Um, so I called them and asked them if I could go to UL because I hadn't made the score for math test, but they um, but they said that I could if I just took a test. So um, they told me yes, you're going to get accepted, but um, I got a letter a week later that said you weren't accepted, and I was just like what? So um, a few weeks later, I got another letter saying that I have been accepted, but I needed to take a test. So um, I had to, since it was so late that they sent that letter, I had to do late orientation. So I go into orientation and I'm expecting, like, I don't know where I'm going or anything. I know I have to do all this kind of stuff and like give my papers and my immunization shots and everything. So I go to give them my shot record and everything, and they're like, oh, everything looks good. And then they were like, um, have you been out of the country in the last five years? And I was like, yes, I went to Haiti and Dominican Republic for a mission trip. And they were like, oh, well, you have to go get this kind of shot before you can get, get into UL. And I was like, okay. So um, we had a lunch break during orientation. I went to the nurse's office, and um, I went. And um, she gave me this little paper to look at. She's like, have you had any of these shots recently? And I had gotten all my shots because I went to a private school and you didn't have to have any kind of shots. So um, I, ha- I had just recently gotten all my shots. And they looked at me and uh, she was like, well, you can't have this shot. So I was there in tears like, I'm not going to school. Like, I've tried God. It's done. I, I'm not going to school. So she comes back into the room and she says, um, if you come back in three weeks and you get and you get the shot, then we'll accept you in. So I was like, okay. So I did that, and then um, I went through my first semester of college, and there was so many things that went on. It would take all day to tell you. Um, it was just horrible. I hated college. I was like, I don't know, no, no, no. So I go through my second semester, and I. I don't even know why I'm there. I'm sitting there because I, I had forgotten why I was there. I didn't know. I hated everything. I hated being where I was. It was just a bad time in my life. Um, then um, I get to this summer, which was right after my second semester. And um, uh, I just got in this really, really, really dark place where I had no vision, I had no, no one there to like encourage me. It was just, it was just a really dark place that I wasn't letting anyone encourage me. I wasn't doing anything. I was just there and going to church. And I was just like, I just was like, I'm done with God. Like I prayed and I was, I'm done, Lord. I'm done, Lord. And then 
um, I went to church for what I thought was going to be the last time. I was like, I'm done with God. I'm never coming back to church. This is my last time. And Pastor Todd spoke on not giving up that one Sunday. And like literally the first 20 minutes of the sermon, I was like, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not. But it kept coming to me. It kept, like every word that he was saying was like he was talking to me. And I was just like, oh. I repented. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. And I, I just felt refreshed and new. So that whole time that I, uh, I, I forgot a whole part, but I decided to quit school. I was like, I'm done with school. Like when I say everything, like I was done with school. And I just felt really rushed. Like I had to make a decision before all that. So because I was so rushed, I just felt like, like I had to do something. Like I had to get out of school. I had to do something. And um, so I decided I wasn't going to school. And um, somebody told me, he said, um, the devil pushes but the Lord leads. And that whole time, I just felt really pushed and rushed. Like I didn't, like, I didn't let the Lord show me what I needed. Um, so a week later, I remembered, I, I think through work and working with the kids, the older kids, I remembered what I wanted, what the Lord had shown me what to do. And um, so I decided that I'm going back to school and that the Lord had taken all my gunk that I was in, and he had changed it and made me a new person. That was great. How about we actually give a nice hand clap for her? That's good. And here is Macy Venable. And one thing I want to say about Becca's was like, really stood out to me, like the last thing she said was like, Satan pushes, but like the Lord leads. Like that's, wisdom in itself like especially in prayer is that uh i'm trying to like stall too for her but uh the lord leads you into something but like satan wants you to make a decision so you don't think about it and you don't reflect and you don't talk to god about it so take that little nugget that she gave it was amazing and we'll let macy venable you don't want the water okay and clap for her guys Okay, I thought I broke the mic earlier because I pressed the button on the bottom while she was speaking, and I was like, I'm going to get up there and have to scream because I just broke it, but it's not broken. So anyway, um, my name is Macy, as Jonathan said. Um, back to your testimony, it was beautiful. Um, and I'm just glad to be a part of all of the testimonies that have been shared just because a lot of times when you have invested in something, when the harvest comes or the reward comes, it's not just for that person. You feel the fruit of that reward as well. And I really do feel blessed to be a part of Jonathan's and Michaela's and Becca's and be able to walk that with them so that I could reap the harvest with them and celebrate and rejoice in God's goodness. So my testimony is similar to a lot of the people who I've shared. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, in a Christian school, uh, when I was younger, my parents went to Crossroads. So when I was born, I was dedicated at Crossroads, and I was in Children's Church over there. Uh, I got saved when I was three. Uh, we got a little salvation packet from the three-year-old class with my name on it and all the sweet little things that come with it. So that was the first time that I gave my heart to the Lord according to our record. 
So um, by the time I was old enough to go to school, I started coming to school over here and family life. And I really just enjoyed my time in the school, the love that I felt from the teachers, from the students. I could really feel the love of God in this place. So it just encouraged me as a young child to really pursue after that love. So I really just, I took that to heart and I pursued God with all of my heart. I really did as much as a child can with the pureness of a child. So the thing about growing up is that you do grow up, obviously. But what happens is that childlike faith that you once have as a child becomes tainted. You get wounded. You become oppressed. You start to feel hurt. You start to feel pain that you didn't used to feel as a child because you were so pure and genuine. And that's what happened to me, like it does to most people. So growing up, um, my my pursuit wasn't as genuine, and it wasn't as pure as it used to be. But I mean, I was still coming to church. I would come Somewhere in there, we changed from Crossroads to Family Life. So I started to come to church on Wednesdays. I did, uh, what, what was it called? The Stars. I was in Stars on Wednesdays with the girls. Like, it was the girl version of Royal Rangers before there was 412 Infusion. And that was fun. That was cute. I have, like, one badge from Stars. Just one. But it's one. And, you know, when 412 Infusion started, me and Michaela and Becca were one of the first generations to be able to participate in the youth group and 412 Encounters and stuff like that. So, of course, I went to 412 Encounter and I got my fire sparked back, you know, I was really feeling it, I was loving it, I had my WWJD t-shirt, my wristband, you know, loving the Lord, pursuing the Lord, getting all excited. But then the next time something would happen, something would come around, my fire would get put out or it would dim or it would get smaller, however you want to call it. But that's what would happen. So it was this this constant pursuing of this fire that I couldn't keep ignited. Well, when we were when we were freshmen in high school, me and Michaela and some of the other kids, we went to the Deluge Conference, like she talked about in her testimony. And that was the first time that I felt in my heart that my experience with God wasn't just an experience, that it was an actual change, that it was an actual pursuit, that it wasn't just a quick lighter fluid on the fire that would keep me alive for a little while, but it was something that I could actually hold on to, probably because it was the first time in my life that I felt like God showed me what he wanted to use me for, what he wanted to do with my life. He placed purpose in me in that moment. So I feel like that's what I really held on to and grasped to in pursuing forward. And after that, I feel like that was my, my real salvation experience. Outside of being dedicating my life as a child, once I was at the age to really know and really choose what I really wanted to do and what I wanted to pursue, that's what it was for me. It was that time when I was in ninth grade. So, you know, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 10 um, at a chapel experience. 
in uh, Miss P's class. Um, I was water baptized when I was 14. Me and my mom got water baptized together in the tank. That was cute. She cried, and I was just like, <laughs> this is fun. This water is really warm. You know, kind of, it was still another one of those things, but once that, um, once that experience happened when I was in high school, I really felt like my life started to change in a more positive direction, and I really did pursue after God as best as I could. Um, I did all the spiritual things. I went to all the events. Um, I mean, we we started a prayer group at school of all of three people. Me, Michaela, and Westbrook would come. You know, it was awesome. We'd pray down those lockers, man, just the three of us. You know, it was good. But, I mean, at the same time, even though I had dedicated my life and was pursuing God in the best way that I could, I still felt like there was something missing. It wasn't that I was missing the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that I was missing church. It wasn't that there wasn't anything that I was doing wrong. But there was something in my life where there was a disconnect, and I was trying to figure out what it was. And, you know, um, a lot of times growing up, in church or just being in church in general, you start to pick up on Christian habits. You start to pick up on what's the right thing to do, the right thing to say, the right thing, the way to behave, um, the right events to go to, the right people to be around, uh, the right way to um, speak in the the in your language, um, not to curse, not to do this. Be careful when you're around these kind of people because you know they're church people. So say churchy things so you look churchy. You know. So I was trying to get past what I knew was um, culture and what was genuine. So, and it's, it's hard when the atmosphere around you, for the most part, is that way. It's not that Christians want to be that way. It's not that that is our heart. But a lot of time, it just becomes a habit. And because it's a habit, we don't think about it. And that's where I was. I was trying to find my disconnect between what I was doing and why I wasn't feeling as close to God as I wanted to be. So towards, um, I would say, our sophomore year of college, we took a class. Yeah. It was around a sophomore year of college, pursuing God all through high school, pursuing God my first semester of college, seeking God the best way that I could me and Michaela and Mariella, we took a class together where we dedicated nine weeks of pursuing God without stereotypes, without habits, without um, religion, without, without all the junk that comes with being churched, if that makes sense. And that's when I finally discovered the disconnect. I was so focused on being churchy that I wasn't being led by the Holy Spirit. I was so focused on looking good that I wasn't cleaning out the mess that was in my life. 
because there were so many things that I had just thrown the blanket of forgiveness over and never truly dealt with that there was a whole festering mess of unforgiveness in my life. I had extended grace so many times that I had never taken a second to look in my heart and say, you were hurt, you were upset, and you never dealt with that. So now every time somebody brings it up, you lash out. Every time somebody does this, you the monster is unleashed. And inevitably, it's affecting your testimony. Because when people who are not churched see me acting out in this way, they're going to be thinking, well, if that's how church people are, then why do I want to be part of the church? So there was nine weeks of dealing with the hurt in my life, the deep, things in my life that I had never really addressed before. And that is, was and is to this day the process that I'm walking, dealing with the roots of the habits that I have, the the things that I should have given to God a long time ago but didn't. And that's what I want to really talk to you guys about, is the difference between salvation and sanctification. Somebody told me one time something that they heard a pastor share talking about the difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation, the difference is salvation is like you're, you're a body of water. You're a fountain or a, a pool or a stream or something like that. And before you accept Jesus into your life, it's like there's a direct sewer line into that water. And junk is constantly being poured into it, constantly being poured into it. But when you get saved and you accept Jesus into your life, that sewage line gets turned off. So the junk stops flowing into the body of water. There's no more fresh sewage in there, but all the sewage that was there before you turn the faucet off is still dwelling in that water. That's salvation. Sanctification is the process of purifying that water, cleaning out that water making sure that all the impurities that were there before you turn the faucet off get out before somebody drinks that water so that you don't make them sick, so that you don't infect them. So that was the moment in my life where the light clicked on for me, and I was like, I've just been saved this whole time, but I've been lacking the sanctification, the purification that I need to be fresh water to the people around me who need it. The Bible talks about the living water, how Jesus is the living water, and we are in the likeness of Jesus. So if we have this nasty bacteria, gross water that's going to make people sick, we're not living water. So that's, that was my major lights-on moment. And, you know, there are plenty of stories that I could back up with that example because, I mean, I, like I said, I had been saved since I was three. I should have known how to handle myself. I should have known the difference. Like, uh, give you a little bit of insight into my life. When I was in middle school, uh, probably fourth or fifth grade, the economy got really bad, kind of like it is now. And my dad works in the oil industry, and anytime the economy gets bad, his job gets affected. So... He would have this cycle of working, not working, working, not working, working, not working, because that's just how the oil field works, especially for people who are not 
um, four-year degree or more individuals. So because of that, he was out of work, and we needed groceries, we needed lights, we needed water. So being the head of the house and the provider, he made the decision to move to Texas so that he could have work. And that was probably, no, it was the best paying job that he ever, ever had. It was great and awesome and whatever, but it affected me really deeply because when I was a child, I didn't understand that he was sacrificing himself to take care of us. All I saw was that he was leaving and that sometimes he would leave and not come back. And I got this mentality of feeling abandoned. I felt like he should have stayed with us, that I would have rather been a whole family than half of a family with a lot of money. That's what I thought in my mind as a child because I didn't understand the perspective of a father. So I carried that with me my entire life until I got to the point in my life where I decided to actually deal with that funk, deal with that root. So it even got to the point where I didn't even want to go to the grocery store by myself to be alone. The fear of being alone made it so difficult to function, to move, that I truly, really and truly would not go to the store by myself because I was so scared that something was going to happen to me, that I was never going to be able to go home, that I was never going to be able, like something just terrible was going to happen to me. And all I needed was like a bar of soap. It really was not that serious. But I was so tied up and trapped by the junk that I wasn't dealing with in my life that being a Christian, I should have dealt with. I threw the blanket of forgiveness over it and never dealt with the root. So, you know, a lot of times being a church kid, because I know a lot of us in here are church kids. I know a lot of you since K-5. I know you've been around here forever or been in another private school or been in another church. You're a church kid. And I know a lot of times being a church kid, you feel like, at least I do. I don't know about you. I'm not going to speak for everybody. But um, you feel like because you're a church kid that you kind of just get pushed to the side a little bit that your healing isn't as important because you're already saved. You feel like uh, your journey with God isn't quite as powerful because you've been walking with him for so long. Um, you feel like, you know, the focus is the, the unsaved, the unchurched. We're going to go evangelize. We're going to go do this. We're going to reach, 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 but not look inward and see what's really going on. So the hand that's reaching is a leprous hand if that makes sense. Because you're not focusing on your own healing, you're extending a sick hand. So I just, I really do feel like that the church kids need to look at themselves because I was that same church kid that would refuse to look in the mirror. Because every time we would be speaking a message on healing or sin or things that church kids shouldn't deal with, I felt the most guilty. I was the most hurting in the audience. I was hurting just as much, if not more, than the kid who didn't know Jesus because I felt just as dirty, if not dirtier, because I had received God's grace. I had received it before, and I was still a mess. I was still hurting. 
Why should I be extended this grace? I should know better. Why, why would God still care for me and still love me when I've turned him away so many times? Why, why would he love somebody like that? I know I wouldn't. So that's where I was. I was the most hurting kid in the audience. But I was the one that got saved when they were three and baptized in the Holy Spirit when they were 10. So, you know, I was thinking about this all throughout the day and spur of the moment, my dad comes in and he's like, hey, your grandma's going to be here in like 35 seconds. So clean the whole house and get dressed. And I'm like, what the heck? So me and Tree were at home and like my mom's out of town. So the house was just completely upside down because like, who's going to clean while mom's gone? No one, duh. No. So I'm going to sleep all day and I'm going to clean just before she gets back. And just make it look all beautiful and nice. So, oh, thank you. You cleaned the whole house. Yeah, we partied the whole time you were gone. No, I'm just kidding. That's not really what happened. But my grandma really did come. And my grandma, my dad was like, we really do have 20 minutes to clean the whole house and get dressed. And if not, the house is going to be dirty and y'all are going to look crusty when she gets here. (laughs) So, me and Trevor running. We're throwing dishes here. Putting in, overloading the dishwasher. We have, we have a, a recliner full of clean clothes. We just pick it up and throw it back in the dryer and just stuff it in there and kick the door closed. And the the bathtub has like razors and soap just thrown everywhere. So I just take the curtain and just close it. And I'm just like, okay, it's clean. But I'm thinking, I'm like, this is not clean. I'm like, we do a lot better job of masking the dirt than actually cleaning it. And I was like, man, like I got super convicted in that moment. I was like, we do an awesome job at masking the mess instead of cleaning it. Because we could have taken the time to fold the clothes. We could have taken the time to clean the bathtub. We could have taken the time to take a shower. (laughs) Like we could have done the things that needed to be done. But because it was easier to mask it, because it was more comfortable to mask it, we did. And that was my life. It was so much more comfortable to mask the dirt in my life, the junk that I was carrying, to put on the pretty face, to smile, to perform, to be everything that everybody wanted to be, to be strong for everybody when I didn't have to be, to carry all the weight on my shoulders that I could have put at the cross. It was so much easier to do that, that I just, I did it, I carried it. And I know that's how it is for the church kids because I was that same church kid. Sometimes I still am. Sometimes it's still easier to mask it than it is to clean it. So the journey that I took with pursuing inner healing taught me the, the pursuit of freedom. And I know a lot of times we hear the word freedom. It's also another churchy word. It's in a lot of songs. It's in a lot of messages. But there's a difference between being free and being freed. I know a lot of times we pursue being free. I know that was a lot of times my thing. Free from 
my sin, free from my house, free from my job, free from my school, pursuing just being done, being free, being able to do what I want, when I want, whatever. But a lot of times the things that you do in the physical, you take on in the spiritual. And that's what I did in my life. I was so ready to just be done, be done, be done that I wasn't dealing. And when I discovered the difference between being free and being freed, I was. The difference between being free and being freed, in my mind, is when you are free, it's something that you had to pursue, something that you had to do all by yourself so that once you got to the top of the mountain, you could stand up and say, I am free. But when you look around, you notice that there's a higher mountain standing next to you. There's more things to climb. There's more things to overcome. There's higher heights. There's lower lows. It's never an end. There's no means to an end when you pursue being free. But when you pursue being freed, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. When you are freed, you come to the point where you realize that I'm not good enough and I don't have to be. I'm not perfect and I don't have to be because Jesus already did it all. There's nothing, there's no higher height that I have to climb because Jesus already climbed it. There's no lower valley because Jesus already walked it. That's the difference between being free and being freed. And when I realized that, I truly was freed. I was free from the things that people said about me, the things that I felt about myself, the lies that I told myself, the lies from Satan, all of it. I was truly freed. And, you know, I had a hard time trying to come up with something to say for my testimony because a lot of times when you're a church kid, you feel like you have the church kid testimony. Everybody's is the same. Nobody's is different. We all got saved in the same. We were in the same class. We have the same testimony. You were there. I was there. It's all the same. But the Lord showed me something. Even just in worship a few minutes ago when I was sitting down and thinking about it, that there's um, different groups. Uh, I don't. I forgot the word. But um, now there's two different uh, groups. There's like the there's the unsaved, and then there's the saved. Okay, makes sense. But just like. Um, just like, I don't know how to explain it because I forgot the word. The word was important. Anyway, um, just like, let's say Pastor Brady or somebody like Pastor Brady who didn't grow up in church at all. And then when he was older, after he had done all the things that the world does, pursued all of those things and found it empty, then got saved, just like God needs those people, the people who have experienced the world. He needs the people who haven't been tainted by the world just as much. It's kind of like football. You have an offensive coach and a defensive coach. You have the defensive coach that teaches the defense everything they need to know because he's been there and he's experienced, he's played the game, he knows how it works, so he's going to teach the defense everything that the defense needs to know. And then you have the offensive coach, which does the same thing for the offense. 
and that's kind of how it is for people with their testimonies. You have the people who have been in the world and experienced everything in the world. So they're going to teach you everything that they need to know, that you need to know about how it's empty and how it's not fulfilling and how God's grace is better than anything that you could experience. And then you have the people who have been in church forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You say, look, it's possible to stand strong for God. It's possible to not smoke weed. It's possible to not drink and party. It's possible because I had God's grace. It's just like that. So if you can have this in football, this same, um, this boost, this encouragement from the coaches, it's why would the kingdom of God not have that same power? You understand what I'm saying? What I'm getting at here? So that same wisdom that can be applied to football is certainly applied to the kingdom of God because there's nothing that the world has that God doesn't and greater. So I just want to encourage you, the next time you're sitting here feeling like a church kid, God needs the church kid as the offense. God needs you as the offense to teach the home team what's going on, to explain that God's grace is good enough to make you be in the world, but not of it. And that's really something that God has placed on my heart. I feel like it's part of my calling to help minister to church kids. Just like somebody who has been in the world and gets saved, they feel called to evangelize to the people who don't get it just like they were. I feel like that's my calling. And I feel like that those of you who are still in private school and who are still struggling because the kids you go to school with are punks, because you feel like they're fake, because you feel like they're just raising their hands in chapel and then the next minute they're in the lunchroom cursing and rapping and whatever. I was there. I was that same kid. I know what that feels like. But just remember that you're on the offense and that God needs you just as much, just as much as somebody who got arrested for being a drug dealer or the prostitute that got saved from slavery. God needs you just as much. You are not less important. Your testimony is not less important because I've heard people say, grown people who didn't get to have the same life that we have, say that they want your testimony for their kids. That's the kind of life they want their kids to live, the kind where they can say that they've loved God forever and didn't waver. And even when the waves came and the troubles came, that they stayed firm. That's the kind of life they want their kids to have. That's the kind of life I want my kids to have. I don't know about you, but God can use the church kid. If there is anything that you leave with tonight, Just leave with knowing that God can use the church kid because I know 95% of you are. So just be encouraged by that and pursue being freed. Don't be scared to look in the mirror and be afraid of what you're going to see. Don't be afraid of that. Pursue that because all the ways that you felt fake before or hypocritical before, when you truly deal with those issues When you allow God to go there, he can truly set you free. He really can, and he will if you let him. 
So if you guys can just bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for this opportunity to share the things that you have done in my life, the way that you have been faithful in my life to these young people here. Lord, I ask that no one in this room leaves discouraged, that if anything, they leave more encouraged than they came in. Lord, I ask that all the things that were said would not fall on deaf ears or hard hearts, Lord, but that you all take us on a journey towards freedom, true freedom, true healing, and true life, Lord. That we not take for granted the ways that you have blessed us with a community that loves God and serves you without the fear of being shut down or hurt. Lord, I just ask that you touch everyone here and fill them with such an incredible love that they can't forget it, Lord. I ask that you would protect their destinies as well as their physical bodies, Lord. And I just, I just thank you, Lord, for all of the lives and all of the testimonies that I know as well as you do that will change the world around us, Lord, that will change the kingdom of God forever. Lord, I thank you and praise you for what you are doing in our lives and what you are continuing to do. In your name, amen. Y'all can give her a hand clap. Can everybody stand? And those were some great testimonies. One thing that stood out to me was whenever Macy was saying that she masked things in her life and she didn't deal with it. Can I have everyone's attention? Thank you. And that she masked things in her life and that she didn't deal with it. She wasn't real. And that was a problem in my life as well as I would just kind of be like this counterfeit Christian. I do all the actions and say all the words I can and my heart was far from God and that's one thing can I have everyone's eyes closed is that we need to reflect on ourselves and where we are with God in order to get further with God in order to seek Him we have to know where we are we can't be blind and following Him we have to know where we are where we stand with him in order to have a greater testimony it takes a greater test and then you got to be willing to go through it sometimes I felt like I failed all of the tests that was in front of me and I know some of you might as well because that's where wounds happen because you don't deal with things that's where in our lives come from but God is faithful he is beyond faithful in our lives where some of us may be church kids some of us be maybe just new at doing this whole church thing God is faithful to each and every single one of us 
And right now I'm going to pray over you. And then we're also, I'm going to want some leaders to come up because I feel like this is uh, an anointed time, especially with considering uh, if you want to unmask some things in your life. It, it's hard. It's it's really hard, but man, it's it's so beneficial whenever you get real with God. So everybody bow your heads. God, thank you for showing up today, Lord. Thank you for both of these uh, ladies. God, thank you for their testimonies. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you for uh, every single one of the testimonies that was uh, said in this room. God, I pray that it has fallen on fertile soil and that every single one of these students has got something from like how I get little nuggets from one of the leaders' testimonies. I hope they have that same aspect where it convicts them, it, it relates to them, and they can apply it to their lives in some kind of way. God, I ask that they are not only real with themselves, but they're real with you, God. That's all we want, God, is a real experience with you. That's what fusion stands for, is, is we hate being fake. It's... It's not in our vocabulary anymore. We don't like it. We want to be real with you, Lord. I thank you that the service ran smoothly. Worship was amazing. That the testimonies, those went smoothly, Lord. I thank you for every single student in this room. I ask that they be blessed going out. And for the students that weren't here, I ask that they be doubly blessed. I hope every single one of these students recognize you in their life in some way and then that that makes them want to seek you more thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen again thanks for joining us for more info on fusion you can check us out on youtube facebook or instagram